How's it, guys? Welcome back for the last episode of season two of our podcast. I'm joined one more time by Ronald over here. Yeah, shit, hey, season two. It's a little bit irregular, our seasons and whatnot, so. It's like the rugby season in South Africa as it is. It's a bit irregular. Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to squeeze in a break now, but when we're coming back, a little bit of R&R. So we will be back on the 27th of June. There'll be one episode in in the middle, right? Yeah, we're planning a, a special episode for you guys for the coming final of the French top 14. That's still coming out. But our regular season, season three, will be starting on the 27th of June. That's a week before the box get back into action. Do we have a count on how many episodes we've actually put out? Well, this will be episode 29 of this season, and I think we did 26 of last season. So we've just crossed the half century on it. Yo, that's a lot. That's a lot of kakprat, eh? A lot of kakprat, that's for sure. We've come a long way. A couple of extra listeners that keep engaging with us every week now than we had before. So it's nice to see. Yeah, it's definitely nice to see. We've really enjoyed the fan interaction this weekend. Even if Ronnie has spoiled NWU and the URC, you know, as it goes, the ERC competition. I saw there were some comments made about that. So to the gentleman that picked up on me calling it ERC and and NUU, like your humor. (laughs) Yeah, I think Ronnie enjoyed that quite a bit. And you know what? We're feeling generous. So drop us a message and we'll send you some punted merch over there. Mm. we've really enjoyed the fan engagement and this wouldn't be possible without you guys but ronnie getting on to more important things i was down in cape town this weekend you were down in east london yeah well i didn't get to watch most of the games i was in a place where there was no signal no nothing so yeah i missed all the games but managed to catch up today i took an extra day off work just to recover from the weekend i was at a bachelor's and uh, i just got a bit naughty but yeah, I managed to, to catch up on all rugby today. Yeah, that's a bit of a disappointment that you didn't get to see the game. Well, I guess depending on who the victor was for that one, missing it or not missing it. But obviously, I was down in Cape Town. I went with Craig, who's sort of in the back end of Rugby Punted. He helps run the websites and all of that. So Craig and I popped down. We managed to stay there with Gerard again. Absolutely epic accommodation there at 16 on Bree, so you guys can check him out. And we had a pretty good time. We saw a different side of Cape Town. Do you know that we can go there and not just go to bars? And Is it? Yeah. It's not just about ferrymen's in the stadium. Exactly. So we rented a car, which helped quite a bit. So Craig showed me around. He spent quite a bit of time down there. So we did the tobogganing on Friday. Mm. Pretty, pretty cool. Apparently, it's the only one in South Africa. Okay. That remains to be checked. I think there's something in Dolstrom. There could be, like I say. And then we also rented those scooters and went across the pier. Unbelievable. Yeah, but I decided I was going to get a Seattle coffee and try ride the scooter at the same time. And by the time I got to one of the benches we wanted to sit at by the ocean, half my coffee was gone. Not easy to steer and hold the coffee. So now you're just saying it was coffee, but was it really a beer? Ah, uh, yes, it was a beer. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Thanks, Roddy. Thanks for saving me. <laughs> but epic to see the Munster supporters. I did put up a couple of posts from Ferryman's, which showed a couple of them sitting there. They were really out in their numbers at the waterfront before the game. But I had to laugh, Ronnie. You know, Ferryman's is our spot, right? We go there before the game. We have some lack of beers. But they had this musician on there and he pipes up in Afrikaans, you know. Are there any supporters of Munster here? In Afrikaans. In Afrikaans. In Afrikaans. <laughs> and it's just chup still. There's not a sound in that bar. And then he's like, oh, fuck, sorry. Are there any Munster supporters here? And then it erupts with the Munster guys. So I had a bit of a laugh at that one. We did chat to a couple of the Munster guys that flew through. You know, they said they were having a blast down in Cape Town. So hopefully this just encourages some more travel for the tournament going forward. Yeah, we've spoken about it before. It's a bloody lucky destination for a foreigner to come and 
entry it's an entry nice entry level for foreigners to come experience south africa exactly it was really lucky to see them out and about a lot of young kids as well so okay. building on future rugby fans but there must have been more than five thousand monster fans there really and when i saw the videos of, of ferryman's i mean it looked like all five thousand were there but in the stand, stands it looked a little bit more yeah definitely and there were pockets of them as well so it's a bit deceiving about the actual number but I definitely think it was somewhere close to that figure. They really did go all out. And then also caught up with the no bullshit sports guy, Dion, as well as Shanae. They were there at the stadium. We had some beers, big Stormers fans. So they also flew down from Joburg for the game. I believe he challenged you to a bit of a down down. He did. And I failed dismally. Did you that. fail? I failed. That's my old man's memory, Ronald. I didn't remember that I had to do it. You know, Dion, if you're listening to this, mate, if I was there, Things would have been different. Yeah, it's easy to say that when you weren't, eh, Ronnie? <laughs> and then, you know, at the stadium, Ronnie, it was so funny. With all these people there, I think those seagulls had a day. They were stealing, I cannot tell you how many, what are those chips called that everyone buys at the stadiums? Chip and dip. Chip and dip. Those seagulls were dive bombing everybody and stealing their chip and dip, which was quite entertaining. Yeah. But should we dive on into the action then? Yeah, let's do it. Let's be like a seagull diving. There we go. So a big disappointment for any Stormers fans that are listening here. Yes! Ronnie's got a smug smile on his face. But Stormers 14, 19 points to Munster. Well bloody done, Munster. Yeah, I'm celebrating because uh, I've made it very clear I'm not a Stormers fan or VIPA. But it is a little bit sad from a South African perspective that the Stormers couldn't pull it off in the end there. Moment was a bit big for them, I think. Yeah, I think the moment got to them for sure. I think the Stormers failed to utilize the crowd because the stadium was fairly quiet for a sellout crowd. They never really got going with it. But something I want to start at the outset here and discuss with you, Ronnie, is the mindset going into this game. Mm. You know, when I saw the video of Joseph Dweber saying, we're going to fuck them up, I thought, oh, it's just a video and Jess, there's not much in it. And, you know, Dobbo came out and said, they all apologized to Dweber. That was a personal moment with the team. It shouldn't have been shared to social media. Fine. But then if you take a step back and you look at some of the other incidents that went on, I don't know if you noticed Marnie Lubok's try. So that intercept yeah. try, Marnie goes straight through under the post. But before, he's like 20 meters from the try line. Herschel Yankees is jumping up in front of Mahani's face, screaming yeah. at taunting him, him, taunting him. And, no, like and him. certainly Mahani got the last laugh out of that one. And then in the bathrooms, well, after Marnie scored, I ran down to the loo quickly. And in there, the Storm was like, oh, we're going to fuck them up by 40 points in this game. A little bit of arrogance. So firstly, I do want to say that the video of Joseph Dweber, I think it's unfortunate, not that he did that, because we've all been in that position. You know, when you're so passionate about your team and you get, you get a, the luck of the draw or something goes your way, you're going to celebrate and you're going you're gonna to use a couple of curse words just to prove how excited and happy you are. So I think it's, let's not take too much out of that, but I agree with you, the taunting on the field that took place, and I saw a lot of arrogance coming from the Stormers fans and whatnot. Look, we say arrogance now, but had the Stormers won, we would have said that they were just confident. Yeah, you know? fair enough. They so, were confident. Yeah, there wasn't, there's an, there's an argument to be made on both sides, but yeah, look, the taunting from, from Herschel to, to, O'Mahony was, was just out of place, I thought. But the last time we saw something like this go down was in 2019 at the World Cup, where England were so pumped up after winning the semi-final against New Zealand, they thought they were going to pump the box. And that arrogance really outdid them as well. So got to be careful. Sport has a way of humbling you. 
That's absolutely true. One day you're on top, next day you're at the bottom. But that's also the beauty of the sport, right? It's any team, if you're in the right mindset, you've prepared accordingly, is going to win. And you've seen some underdogs come from behind and win the games just because they stayed focused, they didn't panic, and they just wanted it more. But yeah, that's why we love this game. You're not going to win every game. No, for sure not. And then just something that's now broken the news, but that we actually realized in the stadium was the double booking of tickets, Ronnie. I did not know that, but unfortunate. So where Craig and I were sitting, we were in block 128. If any of the other listeners were in that block, you would have seen all of this go down. But there was first a lady two rows in front of us and anyone that waved a flag anywhere near her, she was grabbing the flag and throwing it to the front of the stands. Very, very bleak lady. She should have been left at home. And then the second incident was a gentleman sitting two rows in front of us. Another guy rocks up there and they've both got tickets with the same seat numbers and stand numbers and everything. And the guy that's there first is just like, yeah, well, this is my seat. I'm sitting here. I'm watching the game. Yeah, first come, first served. The gentleman that arrived second decided, no, no, second mouse gets the cheese. <laughs> and he his whole beer over that guy that was seated. Lo and behold, he should not have done that because he got his jaw firmly rearranged. So the second, for the first gentleman, it was early bird gets the worm. But for the second gentleman, it was the late worm misses the bird. Something like that. And he also needs some kind of braces now. That, look, that's unfortunate. We don't condone, condone violence at all. But come on, Cape Town Stadium, you can't, you can't stuff up like that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you Google the stadium, it says it has a capacity of 55,000 people. But then the official figure given for attendees on the day is 56,334. So does that mean they double booked 1,334 seats? Look, I never know how it works because we've been to a number of stadiums where they say it's yeah, it's a sold-out crowd, but there's always these patches that are still open up in the corners and whatnot. So I wonder if they say it's 55,000, but it's actually a 60 or 62,000 capacity. And, and, and on top of that, if you go and look at the, the suites and stuff, you know, do those fall, form part of the 55,000? And there's always a couple of reserve seats. How does it exactly work? Maybe we should unpack that in the future. Episode. Yeah, I think we should definitely have a look into that. But yeah, disappointing that if you bought a ticket to come to that game and then couldn't find a seat because someone else was sitting there, you know, that's that's pretty poor. I'm not sure how a computer system manages to do that. Trust me, I work with systems and they break all the time. So <laughs> i completely understandable. And then I just have to say, so those guys weren't sure if they were at the URC or the UFC for that one. But then there was also the funny incident of the kiss cam. So the kiss cam goes around the stadium and it's zoning in on all these couples around. Are you about to tell me you and Greg shared a passionate kiss in the stands? No, unfortunately not this time. eh? Okay. So the camera pans onto this couple and it looks like they were having a bit of an argument at the time. So man leans forward for that kiss. She says no. And she just walks and storms away. And the whole stadium watched that happen. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) So somebody bought that guy a beer. I hope somebody bought that man a beer because that was not a lack of one. But Ronnie, also a bit of talk about the pitch again this weekend. Storm is seeming to complain about it more than Munster, actually. Yeah, well, it wasn't going to change, right? I mean, they said after the IRC, after the URC, they were going to back it up and, and relay the, the field and, and bring it out some sort of hybrid field system. And just on that note, we may have a couple of extra listeners here. So Pistol, if you're listening... Newlands Rugby Stadium was a bit of a hybrid field. It was, 50-50. 50-50. I'm not sure how that works. So, Pistol's telling me a story this weekend. One of his mates had cut out a, a bit of a block of the field when they closed down Newlands and he's growing the Newlands grass at home. So, I think he managed to get the 50 that is the grass. 
but yes, look, that's the intention of the Greenpoint Stadium is to relay it and uh, have a 50-50 hybrid field again. So, yeah, that's going to be good because really it is a really sore point for Greenpoint. So everything's so great about it except that bloody field that keeps picking up. 100%. Well, Pistol, if you are listening to this, it sounds like you gave Ronnie some shit this weekend. Yeah, he gave me shit. You mean old Cole, eh? If Cole's <laughs> listening, he's, not, he's milking the cow, so probably won't be. But a guy actually wrote into us that does landscaping professionally and gave me a whole opinion piece on how the new field's going to work. So maybe I should post that to punt it that everyone can understand. No, yeah, post it to punt it, but let's talk about it in a future episode. Okay, we definitely can do that. We can channel, we've, we've also got the contact for the Mbombela Stadium grounds lady. So yeah, she should get her national pin. grounds lady. Yeah, because that, that grass is pristine condition. So then obviously the pitch has an effect on scrumming ability. But, I mean, the Stormers have played on this pitch the whole season. Coming down to it now, it was interesting for me to see the Munster front row. They really held firm against the front row with three Springboks in it. And the Munster boys are all fringe Irish squad members. They're not yeah. starting lineup. They're not bench players, but they're in the squad, you know. Yeah. So, does that give Ireland a lot of confidence heading into the World Cup? No, it does. And I'm hoping it makes them a little bit complacent and arrogant, you know. Or maybe overconfident is what we need out yeah. of this. Yeah. But tell me the conditions. I know leading into the game, some people were talking about the conditions. I think we might have also spoken about it in last week's pod. But conditions, did they favor the home team or, or did they possibly favor the Irishman? Well, look, Friday was a wet day, but come Saturday, it was blue skies. It really was a lovely day down there. A bit windy in the game. Storm is playing into the wind in the first half. But I don't, I can't see that those conditions favored either team. You would have thought that Stormers would have had a scrumming advantage, but that didn't materialize. Well, the Mansa boys would obviously be used to scrumming in some Pittsburgh conditions. They play on these hybrid pitches. Okay. So they used to, like Matt Proudford said, you know, it's that, give under the foot when you're trying to make your power moves. That's where it really makes the difference. And Rani, another absolute laugh from this game. Did you see what Stephen Archer did to Herschel Yankees? No. So Herschel's offsides. He's just gotten up on the wrong side of the ruck. Archer wants the pick and go. And Archer uses him like a Zulu shield, my man. He holds Herschel's shirt and he just drives Herschel through his own back. <laughs> it was hilarious to well, see that happen. It can't be too difficult to pick a little initial up, eh? I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a good bit of piss-taking in the game. But ultimately, a very strong performance for Munster. They really went all at it in that breakdown. And we have to give credit, right? Because I wrote them off. Yeah. I suppose I was part of the arrogant Stormers crowd that thought this was definitely going going the way of the Stormers, and it, it didn't materialize. And I think we underestimated Munster the way that Leinster underestimated them the week before, the two, week, two weeks ago. And uh, just well done. Traveling, you know, Munster's done a lot of traveling up and down through the hemispheres, and they came to Cape Town, like you say, sold out stadium, and yeah, well done. You, ca- you cannot underestimate how difficult it is to win on the road. You've got an away quarterfinal, an away semifinal, and an away final. And remember, just before that, they'd been in South Africa and faced the Sharks in the Heineken Cup and then the Stormers and the Sharks again in the URC. So they really were out on the road for a long period of time. And but it's off the back of some poor performances from Munster a couple of months ago. We, I actually wrote them off. So, yeah, I'm going to take that one on the chin. Got that one definitely wrong, but that's the beauty of the game, like we said. That's for sure. But, Ronnie, the most surprising stat to me, and for me, this is where the game was won, Number of tackles made. Stormers, 191. 
Munster, 89. Oof. Missed tackles. Okay. Stormers, 34. Munster, 9. Oof. 34 is a lot of tackles to miss, eh? Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's not like us playing Xbox rugby and where well, I like to comment that tackles win matches. It doesn't yeah. necessarily materialize that way, but yeah. Yeah, tackles when you're not missing 34. When you're not missing them. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a pretty disappointing performance from the Stormers. I think they're 9, 10, and 15 all struggled. That's Herschel, that's Marnie, that's Damien Willemser. And now, obviously, you get all over social media guys saying, you know, these are not Bach players. Mm. I did say last week that I thought Herschel Yankees needs this game to make his case for the World Cup. I think he failed to achieve that. Well, he's in He's in the training squad. I'm not he sure if you saw the 33 squad. players that got selected for the training squad. I think there's 102 scrum offs in that 33. Mm-hmm. I'm two from last year's 100 scrum offs. <laughs> <laughs> they love our scrum offs. I think if you're a scrum off in this country, it's a little bit unfortunate for you. Eh? You've got a lot of competition. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think that game hurt him a little bit. Marnie Lubbock, bit of an off game. But I mean, he did score an intercept. And oftentimes a fly-off, you can only judge on how good their pack is. And yeah. that Stormers pack failed to deliver what Marnie really needed to get the backline going. And Damien Willems are also having a bit of an off game. But anyone that tells me Damien Willems shouldn't be a buck, you need to go meet that man that was in stand 218 pouring <laughs> beer on people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a really good game, Ronnie. I had a lack of time. And I think a player that deserves a huge shout-out from this season is Jean Klein. You, you mentioned him right now, but he's also, because he's been playing overseas, we, oh, I suppose we haven't been following him much. But off the box radar, but can I give you this man's stats, Ronald? Let's go for it. John Klein has played 24 games, starting all 24 of them for months of this Shit. season. That's URC and Heineken Cup. Ooh. That's 1,505 minutes of rugby that he's played. 19 games in a row. Wow. John Klein, hands up, my man. And he's a lock. Done. And he's a lock. So Jean Klein, eligible for the Springboks, eligible for Ireland, Ronnie. Who's going to make that move first? Yeah, look, I mean, we've got, we've got. A, I say, we, I want to say now, we've got a lot of depth at lock in the Springboks setup, but a couple of injuries, he could be in the mix very much, eh? He definitely could be. But the most important question I have for you on this: Where does he fit on the scale? Because for me, he must be a ten out of ten. He's hard as nails, not injured, not iffy, not questionable. No, no, he's tough. tough. You can't, you can't. Look, the problem is the selectors in the Springbok squad, uh, all, all Rassi and all Jacques and, and, and all the other selectors, they, they select a large, a large factor in, in their consideration for who gets into the squad is, is loyalty as well. So they, they tend to stick with the players that they know, which is True. both its pros and its cons, right? But you've really got to shoot the lights out if you want to make it into the Springbok squad as a newcomer. So it's a little bit unfortunate possibly for Klein, but He'd probably do a bit better if he, if he, if he qualified for Ireland, which yeah, would be a unfortunate. Of, a lot of people saying he would make a killer combination with James Ryan. So that might come to fruition. We'll have to see. But on the locks, another one that deserves a special mention is Archia Sneeman. Yeah. Well he's done. now a URC title holder. But just look back at the four years he's had since the 2019 World Cup. So after the World Cup, he joins Munster. Injured, injured seven minutes into his debut. Okay. 13 months he was out with an ACL injury, offered a contract back in South Africa, refused because he said he owed it to Munster. Then he suffers burn injuries. Then the knee goes again. Then he only returns in March this year and gets back-to-back concussions. He was massive in their wins over Glasgow's and Stormers and then played 45 minutes off the bench this weekend and now gets a Bok call-up. 
So he helped Munster to their first trophy in 12 years. Yeah. Look, I want to say that Archia, it, it was good to see him play play well in the in, in recent weeks. I'm very excited, but I don't think he's quite fit yet. And But that's just natural, right? So you've been out of the game for so long. Now you're back. And now you've got to make things happen. So give him a couple of weeks and he'll be firing on all cylinders again. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he can deliver during the rugby championship. A couple of corporate stomp sessions, right? Yeah. And he'll be back at it. <laughs> That's for sure. And then, Ronnie, big cheers to Stephen Kitsoff. Kitsy's leaving the stadium. A massive eruption of applause at the stadium when he was substituted. Mm. Legend of South African rugby and all the best to him and his, as he heads off to Ulster. Yeah, look, we were big fans of Kitsy or Flum. And yeah, sad to see him leave, but you know, good for him. He's going to make his career. It's going to elevate his career now. I definitely think so. And then, Ronnie, just to end off the URC section, well, before you do our Super Brew winners, I was at the airport on Sunday flying back here, and the Munster squad was there. So, you know, I went up, greeted Connor Murray. Oh, oh Connie! Connor. How's he no, doing? So, he's asking when you're going to send that recipe for your baburti. Yeah, the baburti, the old infamous baburti recipe. You know? But let me tell you, man had a night, eh? Glasses on, <laughs> looking very fragile. Looked like he could have used some of that Paburti then because <laughs> he was struggling. But yeah, well done to the Munster boys. All we can say is congratulations. We hope all their supporters had a lack of time here in South Africa. And yeah, good luck for retaining it next season. We know the Sharks are coming for you. Sure. Sure we are. <laughs> so Ronnie, who's our superest of brew? No, we'll, as, as always, we've got to start with the top three. Come on, man. We got to, so we'll start in third place. In third place on 139.75 points, we've got... Anton Haystek. Haystek. Anton. And I see he's got a yellow cap there. So he had yeah. a, the best round in the So place. he had a big round. Big round out of a few hundred people. And he got a yellow cap for it. So Anton's on in third place. In second place, we've got old Wade's got it. So Wade doesn't quite have it. So Wade Cox. Also Shark supporters. So third and second place are Shark supporters. He's on 140 points. And then the superest of Bruce. Take oh, this. You need a drum roll for that run. No, I've already said it already. So we've got Davi Liebenberg, a DHL Stormers fan. Sorry, hard luck. The result on the weekend. I'm sure he backed the Stormers, but he still still made it out on top. 140.25 points. So only marginally better than Wade's got it. Uh, so well done, Saitves. Yeah, Laka, well done, Saitves. Shock for playing, guys. Wade, you didn't quite have this one, but I have seen you've already signed up for our rugby championship pool. Laka, maybe you can win that one. And then, Ronnie, I see you finished 816th in this pool, and I came in at 144. Yeah, but lightning's going to strike you through this window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's accurate. 1,415 brews joined us. No, no, no you're just moving on here. Like, like be honest now. It's uh, Rugby is a game of honor. So why don't you really, really tell the people where I ended and you ended? Yeah, this is going to be a hard one to do, but Ronnie did finish 144th. Nick came in at 816th. So I beat you again. Not again. You beat me once. I beat you again. Where did you finish in the Heineken? First. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, 1,415 guys. That's a lack of pool that we had going there. Please, guys, if you're keen, come join us for the Rugby Championship. We have a new pool there. The pool code is Lima Ors, L-I-M-A-O-R-E-S. Come join us there and you guys can have, or 143 of you can have fun beating Ronnie again. So wait, hang on. What's the what's the code for the URC pool? Lima Oars. Can you use that in a sentence? Yes. King Julian the Lima used his oars oh. paddling from Madagascar. Well done. So See, I knew that question was coming this time. So you practiced. <laughs> 
So yeah, guys, that's a lacquer one that we had for the URC. It was a great season, second season of it. And that will be recommencing in October, the same weekend as the semifinals. Nick seems to have a ton of merch, so please join and, and engage with us. And obviously, old Nick will send you some merch. That's true. And actually, Saitves, I completely forgot about that. I owe you a prize, man. You have won a rugby ball light. As Ronnie's pointed out, it doesn't really work with ESCOM's load shedding. But, it but still for every good. other moment, it's great. <laughs> So yeah, please drop me your address and we'll be sending that over to you. And then Ronnie, quick look at the Premiership final. Yeah, the Premiership. So there was some stuff happening in the Premiership. There was. So Saracen's getting a 35-25 victory over Sale. Mm. But that wasn't the biggest chaos of the evening. Oh uh, yeah, I'd say uh, Aka van Amerva's performance was, was chaos number chaos point number one. But uh, the bigger chaos was... The protesters yeah, that the invaded the field. Stop oil protesters. The just stop oil protesters. Whilst we completely understand the message that these guys are trying to get and the cause that they're representing, I'm not sure this is the platform for it. All you've achieved here is 40,000 people angry at you, yeah. plus a couple of million more on the TV screen. And you've not hurt the oil producing companies nor the users. You've just frustrated a rugby game. Yeah, look, I think protest outside the stadium by all means, but if you're going to protest and and uh, bring disruption to the game, you're going to turn 40,000 people against you instantly. 100%. So, good message, wrong delivery, poor platform to do it on. Yeah, so when it comes to protesting games, I'd like to say just stop, comma, oil protesters. It's a good one. Tom Curry clearly got that message as he helped to escort one of them off the field like a child. Look, again, just want to say all for it, good messages and and good causes, but uh, not during the Premiership final. Please, let's just... We're there to watch a bit of rugby. That's so stressed enough with rising interest rates and all of that around the world. Guys just want to switch off and watch a bit of rugby. So <laughs> don't turn 40,000 people against you instantly. 100%. But yeah, let's talk about the game. Yeah, so I mean, this game was touted as the Farrell versus Ford playoff. You know, the two England fly-offs from the last World Cup. Facing off, you've got the talismanic Farrell and then the tactical Ford. Again, proving the point, though, that your pack really determines the quality of game that your 10 is going to have. Farrell coming out on top of that one. This pack definitely helped him a lot there. But Ivan van Sale, another South African featuring, and he scored the match winner for Saracens. Yeah, straight out of Pretoria. Well done. Yeah, straight out. That's true. Eh? He used to be down here at that team that lost to the Griffins. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you heard, but the Bulls lost to the Griffins. Yeah, I did hear that. I thought so. Thanks for reminding me there. Ivan <laughs> used to play for them. Maybe he needs to come <laughs> back and sort that out for the Bulls. Yeah, so lacquer to see the Prem final go down there. It was a really good game. I did have a watch of it. And looking forward to seeing those boys take it up next season again. Maybe we should provide a bit more coverage of that competition going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the Saracens, I hate them. I hate them so much because because of all Farrell and Toje. But yeah, look, it was good to see them perform uh, and come away with the win in the end. Especially with uh, some crucial players that went down with injuries. You know, they bloody... Itoje went down early. Yeah, and I mean, Itoje is a big player for them, a massive loss to their pack. But then, Ronnie, a couple of Curry Cup games on this weekend as well with what I consider some pretty interesting results. Bikeri Kopi. Yeah, so Bulls were away to the Pumas. They won that one 24-17, edging that much closer to a playoff berth now for the Blue Bulls. Then Cheetahs, a 29-29 draw to the Griquas. That's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that's a bit of a surprise because Cheetahs have built this squad for long, not really playing in many tournaments. You'd really be expecting them to, to be taking the Curry Cup by the horns. You know, I'll be a bit honest with you, actually. I'm not sure why that should would actually be a surprise because 
the Griquas are playing all right, and the Cheetahs have been playing a little bit better uh, in this in this in this latter part of the season. Uh, so draw by all means is actually an equally matched game. Fair enough, you make a good point. Obviously, obviously, I'm not so sure about that. Then we go over to Athlone Stadium, the second Curry Cup fixture that Viapio were hosting there. Not to be for them, though, as they went down 12-34 to the Lions. Absolutely blown away by the Lions. Yeah, well done, Lions. Not a good, good time to be a, a Western Province slash Stormers supporter. Absolutely not. So, yeah, Lions dishing, dishing it up there and really getting the job done. And then the Griffins were at home against the Sharks, Ronald. You know that team that lost to the Blue, or the Blue Bulls lost to? Oh, uh, yeah? They lost to the Sharks. Okay. 35. So, based on the squeeze theorem, you say the Sharks are better than the Bulls. Yes. There we go. So, just a quick update on the log then. The Sharks are now in first place. Really? Two points. Yeah. Genuinely in first place. Cheetahs are in second. Pumas in third. Province in fourth. Lions in fifth. Sixth (laughs) are the Bulls. Seventh (laughs) is the Griquas. And then the Novavit Griffins with one win the whole season in eighth. Who was that win against? Oh, I don't know, Ronnie. Who was it against? I think it was the Bulls. The ones that don't know about losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a bit of a fun poke at our Bulls listeners out there. Um, so the Curry Cup is starting to edge towards the playoff stages as well. And then a lack of fixture from this weekend, Ronnie. Did you get to see the Barbarians yeah. versus the World Team? I did. Uh, there were a couple of things that came out there. A couple of things that actually ticked me off a bit. But you know what? It is a friendly exhibition match, so let it slide. Yeah, a couple of niggles and whatever, but it was good to see the refs didn't take it too seriously no, either. No. A lot of fun. Stefan Louvies, did you see how that man played? Louvies. Louvies. He should be playing fly half for Holoquins. <laughs> stepping, handing off, goose stepping. Little pop, pop try from Alan Wynn Jones to him, and he scored in the corner. That yeah, was nice also epic. Good, good one from Alan Wynn Jones. Not a great of a kicker, though. He's no, can teach him a thing or two. I think Bucky's also missed no, this. Bucky's got it. He got yeah, it. The big arena. No, he's got it. Yeah, so Alan and Joe's tried to channel a bit of a jiggle there in the yeah. beginning, but yeah. it didn't quite c- come off, and then he missed the kick. But one comment I just quickly want to make about the spook, and of course, he's disallowed try. Did you see where he dived in the corner? Yeah. It was a bit of an unnecessary dive. He could was. have just dotted it down, and then 48-42, this could, the, the World 15 could have actually won. 49-48 had... He just scored the bloody try. It's true, and that actually would have given Spoo the hat-trick because he did score two other tries in addition to that one, which was disallowed. But look, exhibition match, so let it slide. Let it be a bit flashy for the fans. And yeah, But also great to see some, I mean, those center combinations, Rodrada and Lamape. Cheapers. Hey? Tamani Valu. Sammy Rodrada, I thought, played exceptionally. Absolute machine. Even Lua Tua playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. great. Tamani Valu in the centers. Yeah. No, Jeepers, we, that was a crazy. Francois Huha was came off as well. <laughs> no, also scored a try in the end there, but it was gifted to him, yeah. to Marivalu. So. so that was really, really like, I thoroughly enjoyed that game and I'd like to see more of that. I definitely, we need to make a plan to go watch a Barbarians game. I've, I've watched the World 15, I watched the World 15 in Newlands, by the way, back in the day, 10, 10 years I ago. I remember that. Rory um, Cockett played. Yes. And speaking of Rory Cockett, I actually met one of his big mates. This weekend, really? uh, a big, big job with him. But anyway, so yeah, look, World 15, Barbarians, that's a great exhibition match, really. Yeah, I actually saw Belinda said she's now added attending one of those to her bucket list. I think I might have to join her in doing yeah. that because yeah. it, it Belinda, really is spot on. It really is a lacquer one. And just the, the fun of it, it brings to the sports is really lacquer. Yeah, look, keep mentioning it's the oldest club in the world, rugby right? playing club in the world. And that's just, you know, 
steeped in tradition like that, awesome. And the coaches, Eddie Jones and old Steve Hansen, I mean, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> you see old Eddie Jones having a ball of a time, laughing on the side, but Tamani Vonda takes a tap, scores a try yeah. from five meters out, and Eddie Jones was there. having it. So, yeah, that was a good one. And then another piece of good news, Ronnie. The women box won the African Cup. Yep. Very, very well done to them. Ladies, you guys are playing some exceptional rugby. Where was that game played? Madagascar? Madagascar. Oh. See, that's where I got the King Julian for Lima Ores. Yeah, so Lima Ores. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was lacquer. And then, obviously, Ronnie, we've now got a 33-man box training squad that's assembled. I've seen a lot of people looking at this as like a final World Cup cut. Can't be because we have way too many scrum offs there. And also, there's no Andre Pollard, there's no Andre Esterhazen, you know, Cheslin Colby's missing. So there's still guys, I think it would have been silly to get them to fly from Europe, yeah, go back for a week and a bit and then join the training camp that starts on 12 June. But I mean, you've got some names here. The front rows all expected, I would say, Thomas, Franz Malherbe, Kitsi, Ox, Dweber, Marks, and Bongi. Let's quickly talk about that Dweber. Yeah, Dweber's a bit of a questionable one. Is mm. He's probably the only name you can look at on this team sheet and go, well, Johan Krobelar may be better. Yeah, Johan Krobelar for sure. And look, based on Akka's performance in the, in the Prem final, you know, I'd love to see Akka on the green and gold again. But look, Dweber's built like, like, a, like a brick house. But you say that he was pushed back quite a few times yeah. and actually a number of them by Jean Klein this week. Well, what I'm trying to say is he, he looks the part. He looks like he's ferocious enough to, to really make an excellent run at a hooker for the spring box, but he has a bit of an attitude problem, which I'd like to see him work on, you know? And with, in saying that, I do need to check myself here because I may be biased based on the video that I saw of him, you know, leading up to the URC final, because like I said, you know, everybody cheers like that every now and again. So True. can't take too much out of it, but, but look, question mark next to Dweber. Let's hope Dweber just, he gets a little bit more consistent with throwing straight in the line out and, not getting pushed back like you say. Look, you've seen my preliminary squad, which I haven't released to the punted guys, but it's terrible. I don't think we're taking three designated hookers to the World Cup. We didn't in 2019. I don't think we will in 2023. I think Dion Ferry will cover there as a utility, just as Skulk Brits did. Saying that, utility forwards, Dion Ferry and Sos there, Franco Mostert, that's two of them. Lurt Diache, Eben Etzebeth, Marvin Ori, Archias Neyman at lock. Looks like Salman Murat's fallen a little bit out of favour. Well, let's just hope some of those injury-prone players that we that you mentioned there stick there. But yeah, look, otherwise Salman Murat, he'll probably be in the mix. And then Lucy's Ronnie. We've got Peter Steff de Toy, Sia Kalisi, Kwaka Smith, Dwayne Vermeulen, Ivan Roos and Marku van Staden. Yeah, van Roos. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, I was getting a bit confused with Ivan van Sale. <laughs> so... Ivan Russ is not a player I think is going to the World Cup. He's filling in at the moment for Jasper, who's not there. And I'm a bit surprised Alric Lowe is not there and Marku van Staden. So, so I know you're skipping on to it, but let's talk about Ivan Russ. Let's make this take the time here. I know that you also mentioned, added him to the agenda here. Why don't you think Ivan Russ? I think he's got a discipline problem. Would you base that comment on his performance in the URC final? The fact Again, a yellow card at a crucial moment. And that's really when the momentum swung to Munster's yeah. favor. Yeah, so the comment I want to make there, it's probably not his discipline, right? That's the issue there. Because I looked at that and I saw the ball looked like it had popped out. Right? And you, you're standing there and a lot of rugby is a game of instinct, right? You see the ball, you, you, have a, you have a split second window to get your hands on the ball and it's a turnover and you carry on. And the longer you take to debate that with yourself, the opposition is going to take that ball and 
and uh, and retain possession possibly. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that his yellow card in this weekend wasn't so much his ill discipline, but just a little bit unlucky there, I suppose. Possibly, but there have been a number of instances over the season where you've seen him pushing players' faces into the ground, and you know the boxer that's, under the microscope as that's his youthful youthfulness. Yeah, no, taking nothing away from the player, I think he's someone that'll come into the fold in the next World Cup cycle. But I don't think he's really in the reckoning at the moment. But you made a good comment there of old Elric Lowe. So yeah, Elric Lowe is the surprise omission here for me. Outside backs: Kirtley Aronson, Mapimpi, Vili, and Kane Moody. No surprises there. And then, well, these scrum offs for last. Centers, Damien Dialende, Lucania Um, Jesse Creel. Again, no surprises. Probably only Andre Esterhazen missing from that. The interesting one for me here now is the fly halves. So obviously, Pollard's not there. Yankees is not there. Surprising with Yankees, probably his career done because his season is done in France already and he's not been called up. But Damien Willems has been named as a fly half and not a utility back. Yeah, that is quite interesting. So read into that what you will. I find that quite interesting, and that may be costing Marnie a seat on the plane. Do you not just think that's the interpretation of, of Supersport too? I see he was looking at they could have possibly just slotted him there as a fly half when actually he was selected as he took. Well, player. you know, knowing Rassi, it could also be some bullshit tactic to try and trick everyone ahead of the World yeah, Cup. Chess, so. checkers, yeah, chess, not checkers. Yeah. And then, obviously, as Ronnie said, we've got five scrum halves here. as Faf de Klerk, Jaden Hendrickser, Herschel Yankees, Corbus Rana, Grant Williams. Going to be interesting to see how that pecking order establishes itself going forward. Yeah, look, I think they have to pick Faf, right? We have to pick Faf. Um, and the reason you pick Faf is because of that 24-3, that game where we were 24 points down to England at Ellis Park and we came back and I old Faf marshaled the team behind him. And I think that sort of performance, that's what you need in a World Cup. I know it was a couple of years ago, but I think that's based on games like that, you know what Faf can bring and they'll probably select him. But that's all the rest. It's four-horse race then for second and third. Am I going out too far to say Faf is the only scrum half with his seat already secure on the plane? Yeah, I want to say that. I think Kubis Reinach possibly going to be a bit unlucky there. I think Jaden, Grant, Kubis are the three fighting it out for. Exactly. And and to be honest with you, Jaden, right? So I would probably select Jaden. So I'd probably select Jaden. But then, you know, you're probably also looking at old Grant Williams because what he brings to the Sharks when he comes onto the field is just great. I think a lot was invested in Jaden during last season. And now, obviously, his injury, we haven't had too much of an update on that. But we'll have to see what comes. And obviously, Sia seeming to make good progress in his injury is also something we should mention. So that's a great look. And Rassi actually saying they'll give Sia up till the Scotland game, which is the second game in the World Cup pool. All right, so now I'm going to go against what I what I say quite often in that we know what we have in him, right? We know what we have in a number of players and we don't necessarily need to test them. But to to take a player that's injured all the way to the World Cup is a, is a, is a bold call. Look, I still want I still want Sia in around the mix. If he can't go as a playing as a player, you know, let him join the staff as as the official water boy or one of the one of the physios or something. You know, find a, a spot for him to be in the change room. But to take an injured player all the way up to the front of the World Cup to make a decision, then yeah, you know, that's a big call. That's definitely a big call. Palmer of a call. So let's see how that one plays out. Hopefully, Sia does make an earlier return. We can see him play the likes of either Wales, Argentina, or the All Blacks into the World Cup. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of time still to go before then. And then, Ronnie, just a little update for the listeners on the Johnny Sexton incident. So still nothing from World Rugby. Surprised? You know, I saw a couple of things come out there about 
his choice of words. Yeah, so he apparently not only Yaku Paper, but, but the whole refereeing team called them a fucking disgrace. With right. children in view. Yeah, that's a little bit unfortunate, right? So, so for me, and looking at the bands, that could be a six to nine month ban, hey? Yeah, like, they won't do that. Ireland will be up in arms, though, because he's such a crucial playmaker for the Irish. What does it matter, Russ? He was a crucial coach for us. No, sure. But yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Look, ban would probably be appropriate, but six to nine months, but heavy. Well, a ban is definitely needed, and they don't have many games for him to serve that ban during either, Ronnie. Oh, yeah. So right. that has to be taken into consideration. Or we're going to see an own foul incident where suddenly Ireland has like 16 warm up games scheduled to make sure Johnny's eligible for the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Playing Bulgaria in the yeah. once off test match. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but World Rugby, not a good look for you guys at the moment. You need to, to get a grip on what's going on there and sort out the incident. Even just some communication to the public might go a long way to, to calming some of this down. And then, Ronnie, before we end off the last episode of this season, this one's not so much a fan topic as just a message we received in response to Jason Stiles' post last week. So Jason's quite popular. We're talking about him twice. He is. And actually, shout out to Jason. He's given his shirt to a Sharks fan living down in the Cape. Is it? we can't send it to the US. That's what a boy So that's lacquer of you, Jason. Thank you so much. And again to a Sharks fan. Exactly. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll (laughs) toss in something extra there. So that one has been sent out on its way. But follow of ours that also knows Dion actually and has messaged us quite a lot, Wes Bodmer. Wes just had a comment about what Jason had to say last week about the Sharks struggling to build from within and always purchasing players. So he says here, you know, he had to comment about the Sharks pipeline. The Sharks Academy has become a farce. It has been for a long time. The coaches that made a difference in the Sharks pipeline were Dick Muir and uh, John Plumtree. They made the effort of attending club rugby fixtures and inviting players from clubs to the training squad to see if they could handle the jump and the pressure and how they looked compared to other players that were already playing there. Um, Hopefully Plum can do that again. Unfortunately, the club game in KZN is not as strong as it could be, and they don't have a strong varsity cup team to compete. So the Sharks have to buy their players from elsewhere because that's only where they get them tried and tested. What they are doing at the moment is holding strong school trials at the stadium and trying to get great school players to stay in KZN after an experience in the Sharks environment. So where's Shark for reaching out? That's something we had not considered. You know, yeah. the, the pipeline feeder there in KZN and how that is structured. Um, so Wes, please also drop me a message with your details. I'll be sending you some punted merch. And yeah, Ronnie, I think that's it from us this season. Yeah, like, uh, so we w- there won't be an episode next week. Yeah, there won't be an episode next week. You guys can check out some of the interviews we had with Matt, with Henku. Yeah, maybe do ben, a repost of some of those episodes. Yeah, Ben. The Matt Proudfoot one, out. I'm very proud of uh, chatting to Proudfoot. Eh? Yeah, Matt was lucky to chat to. But again, guys, thank you so much to everyone that tunes in for us every week. It really is incredible. We've got guys listening from all over the world. Every continent tunes in for the podcast now. Yeah. And if there's specific really topics, send them in, right? We enjoy, yeah. enjoy gauging, engaging with some of the listeners from abroad and even local as well. So whatever you guys want to listen to, yeah, that's, that's really what this podcast is about. Exactly. So let us know. Also, you know, we previously did Ronnie's Two Cent segment. This season we had the, the guys writing in. If you have another suggestion for an end-off segment for Season 3, We'd love to hear it, but we've got some big things planned for the World Cup and the international season. That's all from me and Ronnie. We'll catch you guys back here on the 27th of June for Season 3. Keep it.